0: Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Crane. I'm chatting with Laura McGann. She's the director of a really wonderful documentary, The Deepest Breath, that has just dropped on Netflix. Thank you so much for chatting with us
1: my pleasure Gemma thanks a million for having me it's lovely to talk to you again
0: god I loved a uh, revolution so much it was just such enjoyable it was lovely like it's lovely to go from something so um local and great crack as well to something so um enormous and cinematic as as a film as a, as a piece of art as as the, even the narrative structure is so dramatic and, and clear-cut tell me a little bit about how you came to the the deepest breath, how the, how the you were drawn to like that really fascinating world.
1: Well, it was certainly a a gear shift for me as well, do you know, because initially I thought, oh, this could be a film, you know, and I'll go about it the same way I did my last film. And but from from really day one, it was clear that this had kind of it had more cinematic potential. And and I suppose just to go back, yeah, I I read about Stephen and Alessia in the Irish Times and. I Google. I had to go, I didn't know what freediving was. I Googled what is free diving, and I was met with these like, these images of people behaving more like seals and dolphins under the sea, like looking like they didn't have an urge to breathe. You know, they were just fine, happy swimming. I just couldn't believe what I was looking at. But also visually it was so stunning. Like you had this light coming in this blue and, and this like diver just like floating, like, like a, you know, like a like a dolphin and it was just really really beautiful and it it was something I'd never seen before it's not very often you come across something that you're like well this is entirely new to me and I suppose so it started from there and then I got uh I slowly but surely was chatting to started to kind of talk to people in that world and get to know more about Stephen and Alessia and it it just took my heart like immediately like absolutely immediately it has been you know taken over my brain every day since um and and it was really just this yeah it was the fact that it was a story of like immense hope and love and adventure uh passion and 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 then like some pretty complex feelings around grief and And just life in general, you know, it just it just said so much to me. And I, you know, sometimes you think, God, I'm getting I'm getting a lot from this. I wonder if anybody else will kind of feel that way as well. Maybe it's just me, but it's it's so amazing to here now that people are, are getting those same feelings and are and are are touched in, in the same way as I was uh, to, the, to Stephen and Alessio's story.
0: And I'm really self-censoring as I talk because there's, I mean, you know, you, you open the film with a discussion about death. It's such a dangerous sport, but I don't want to, like, I would advise anyone who's planning on watching it, don't Google anything, obviously, and then sit down and watch it because you... You do such a beautiful um, example of of that withholding of information, the release of it at specific points, um, delving into the the characters of these world, and and um, I think Alessia is such a wonderful um, example because you like she's she's such a driven young woman. You go into her childhood, you go into you know what really spurred her on those those kind of peaks and troughs, and then how Stephen was such a a pillar of support for her and how the pair met and began training together like it just it really goes into the the bits and bobs of of the the relationship in in a really intimate way so you're you're brought along like that but I mean obviously it's it's a danger we know things are going to happen from the outset we just don't know what if you don't google it
1: yeah I suppose like I, I I thought it was such a fantastic story that I you know that that you know was their lives that I um I wanted to try and make a film where the audience was going along on it with them you know that you're with Stephen and Alessia you don't know anything they don't know you're in the moment with them um and and I thought you know initially because it the story had happened before I you know beginning middle and end before I even got to it um you know, you're really depending on like, was that filmed on the day? And over and over again, uh, when I went looking for stuff, like it was there. Now sometimes it took a year to actually get it, but we had an amazing team. We Efa Carey is an Irish. She's an editor and an archive producer. She did incredible work with with some other people to put the tentacles out all over the world. Like sometimes there'd be a scene and we would just have one photo. I would say, is that somebody holding a camera in the background? And would say, who's that? And we're like, that's, that's Stefano. We're like, right, where is Stefano? <laughs> this is like 15 years ago, this scene. And we're like, right, Stefano, do you still have that footage that you shot in 2006? He's like, I'll have a look up into the wardrobe, into the finds the hard drive, come back. And he's like, yeah, I've actually got 500 gig of stuff around that time and like that's just one example but like that probably happened about 20 times because there's so much coverage like there's so much coverage and it was just there and it was in people's wardrobes all over the world and it took um you know an amazing team to like kind of go out and 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 people people's first of all the fact that people filmed these moments in the first place the fact that Stephen and Leslie's lives had both been documented from the word go so well coverage was incredible like if somebody wanted to make a documentary about me there'd be about three photos like you wouldn't be able to so it was quite like both Stephen and Leslie had documented themselves but they were also documented by other people which was the key um and and yeah it was uh, it was The people just were so generous with their with their material and with their time. And it was during Covid as well. So everybody was at home, you know, looking for stuff to do. So that probably didn't hurt. You know, the fact that people were like, oh, here, I'll go through this old hard drive.
0: and uh, actually that's so true you picture them they're they're real adventure types they're you know people who'd go like backpacking for a year and a half and wouldn't have a phone yeah. for a while like-
1: exactly i wouldn't be at home you know and you know the fact that everyone was at home pretty much um they were like oh yeah there was one person actually that that we never really quite uh tied down and he he was on a different continent to his hard drive and it just stayed that way for 4 years so you know, that never happened.
0: <laughs> and tell me when did Netflix come on board and A24? When, like, do you bring distributors on kind of halfway through? Are you at pitch stage?
1: Yeah. So it can happen all kinds of different ways. The way we did it was I developed the project and brought it to Jamie and Motive, uh, Jamie and Anne, Jamie Dalton and Anne McLaughlin and Motive. Um, They're an Irish company. And then we, Jamie, immediately saw the potential in it. You know, he saw that, okay, we could get a small amount of money for this, or we could try and, like... Get a bit more, make it more. Le- like because there's potential it could just stay in Ireland, and we just thought it had a universal appeal that we wanted. We thought it could be something of interest to people outside of Ireland. Oh, you know?
0: hope, energy, excitement, tension, suspense. Like it,
1: yeah. So we we thought it had like a the potential to to be a, to be a bigger film. Um, and so Jamie uh, had the link with John Batsik in Ventureland in um, in London. And John had made like some films that I had um, did, like, my favorite films like uh, Searching for Sugarman. He was part of the Impostor um, and like I'm looking at my DVD, my old DVD collection here. And like there's there's DVDs of his there. Um, And I remember going to like talks, you know, and you know by John and taking notes up the back, Um, and and so I was, you know, it was quite intimidating, kind of going over and pitching this project. But John was just immediately on board as well, and that was like, okay, shit, right? You know, is okay. This pressure was on now, yeah. And me and Jamie, I remember walked, came out of the office, and we're just like looking at each other, like we just. we just couldn't believe what had just happened. So so it went from there, really. And we worked with John and um, and Sarah in Ventureland. And we put together a trailer and we, we shot some bits and pieces. And then we went out to pitch. So we pitched a number of different companies in the States. And then we went with A24. And they were just amazing. They saw the potential in it, like from the work go as well. And were really, really supportive, brilliant guidance, but also kind of let us make the film that we wanted to make so really gave us space as well and so that was all like march probably like actually maybe like april 2020 so you know what was going on at the same time like everything was just kicking off so so it, in a way it it, it um yeah it, it all the research and everything happened kind of during lockdown and then uh we made the film we finished it uh we took two years and and then after that so it was kind of two years before and then two years after Um, so four years really overall that it that it, I've I've kind of been on it um and and then Netflix came on board when it was a fine cut
0: so a fine cut is that's you know you're everything is honed you're still waiting for your grade and and things like they were they were happy with the story or is it
1: very a much project? yeah no, it wasn't. Yeah. So we're still waiting on our grade. We still hadn't done the grade or the or the sound mix uh, or the online. We just had, we pretty much kind of finished the film. Do you know, pretty much. That's brilliant. As in the editing, finish the edit. Yeah.
0: a post house or is that still, or do they just buy the rights to it and then process certain things through there? Like it's still, I'm just interested in the procedure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That. It's, it's basically much it's a very simple process. It's like we we've made the film and then they, they buy it. So it's as simple as that. And they buy it outright. They take it off us. They have it now and it's theirs. So that's kind of, it's like selling somebody a cup, you know?
0: Okay. So they didn't, (sighs) they don't have any, just say they wouldn't give notes. If it's only had a fine cut, they wouldn't say, then come on board and go, Oh, we actually don't. We'd prefer if the music was more like this or they'd just buy it.
1: There were conversations so like you know they're such an amazing team of people um kate townsend is at the is at the helm at the moment and she's just fantastic like she's been in the business for a long time and she's such a talent and she's so supportive and she's really got incredible she's got an incredible eye um, so there were there were a few small notes that we we kind of went back and forth on them, but we worked really like collaboratively. You know, it wasn't like anybody coming in, you know, making demands and we weren't making any demands. You know, it was just like they really liked the film. They were really supportive of the film and of us. And um, and we just kind of worked together. There was a conversation, do you know, and there was a number of conversations around the um around the opening. You know, because there's a three minute basically like a three minute shot. There's one shot. Well it's two, but uh and that's quite unusual, do you know what I mean? For uh, for a film to open like that. You know, a lot of films will open with like Super, something like really quick and catchy, and and we were like, no, we're going to open it with this like really long shot, but it's very
0: atmospheric as well, though, and it's yeah, like it goes for so long. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. when I watch people underwater, I try and hold my breath if I'm watching a screen to go. Ah, you wouldn't be able to hold your breath for that long, but I mean that's that it. one. You're and like that's
1: what I did. That's what I did when I saw it for the first time. So that's what I was hoping the audience would do. Um. So, like, they took a risk with with that, but we were just so committed to to keeping it, um, and they were as well. Um, but everyone was a bit nervous, you know. Everyone was a bit nervous. Like, sh- we all feel like this is a great start, but like, is it?
0: <laughs> oh no, it's really powerful, and it's so because I think all oh, the fact that it is just a woman <laughs> under the water for so long, <laughs> for like, but it's so. <laughs> immersive the whole film the visuals the 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 story but like the way everything splices together the soundtrack is just unbelievable tell me a little bit about getting all those things together like you do you said certain things are reenactments it's actually hard to tell when you're watching it what is um because it's so it's quite seamless and the the pacing is so fast
1: yeah, I suppose um, it was, you know, we would 11 months in the edit. So Julian Hart is a, is a really talented editor and we worked really closely on putting, like building a scene as much as possible out of the archive. You know, and it, it's scene by scene. You know, it's really like, it's kind of like that kind of narrative structure where you're, you know, you're moving from moment to moment. And we would, we would use the, ar- he was so good at like really using the archive to make it feel like there was even more than there was, you know, just really, really talented. And then it was a matter of going, right, there's this bit, there's this moment that's really important, that we need to see it. And it wasn't covered on the day. So, and and so we went scene by scene and and I storyboarded out, like what what we had and then what we needed to do. And then we we literally sat down and went, right, well, where can we get a shot where there's, really great visibility. There's a diver tiny in the f- in the middle of the shot, but it's just vast. And there's no um you can't see the surface of the water and you can't see the bottom, but it's a super wide shot. And where do we get a shot? Where in the world do we get a shot of somebody swimming under under a roof of rock? And we had all these listed lists of shots and it was a matter of looking looking and going right how can we how, where can we shoot all this? And we, we eventually like we went to Dahab in Egypt, we filmed there we filmed in the Bahamas at Vertical Blue and then ultimately we did our last pieces of filming in Mexico we filmed in a cenote which is like a big sinkhole in the forest so it's fresh water and you're in the middle of the like sorry it's not forest it's the jungle and um it's just like they have these all over Mexico and it's the it's the image in the poster you know when you see her swimming up and you've got the light like Midday light streaming in and the rest of it is just like pitch black because it's like a bottle it goes down like this and then it opens out so you've got this massive cavern but it's actually there's only this tiny little hole at the top to actually for the light to come in so that's what creates that shaft of light going all the way down to the bottom of the snow cave, which was about 50 meters deep um, and then we filmed in the um in the sea as well out quite far in the sea, and that was really like, as a filmmaker, like this to make this film, like to deal with like such incredible amount of archive, like both Stephen and Alessia's lives had been so beautifully documented, you know, from when they were so small, uh, but also then to get to film in these incredible places, like not to mention the interviews were just a whole other amazing journey. But um, but f- you know, basically making a film then under the water in the sea with free diving cinematographers scuba diving cinematographers you know people keeping an eye on sharks you know over there you know me holding on to a blue noodle thinking what am I doing here it was amazing it was really amazing.
0: Sounds so incredible I'd say scuba diving free
1: diving uh, cinematographers are hard to come by (laughs) like it's a niche and niche it's pretty niche yeah you've two two particular skills there so um julie Gautier was our free diving cinematographer and so she was with us in mexico and she did the filming out in the sea and and so there was julie and then there was like a number of safety divers and then there was the divers and then there was me and they're all like super fit like really just know what they're doing in the sea there's me holding on to my noodle and like you know flapping around the place and and they'd go down and get the shot, and they'd come back up and they'd show it to me. And I'd say, "Oh, guys, that's really great. Is there any chance you could just do that slightly differently? The other one more." Time? And they would just go down again, like just like that. And they're all holding their breath. It was, and and get the shot and come back up. And it was like it was like having like a a pod of dolphins on our crew. Like that is what it felt like being there, on my noodle, waiting for them to come back up. You know, it was it was magical. Like it really was a really, yeah. If you
0: think of all the things you have to do, like all these above land cinematographers have it easy.
1: <laughs> they do. Yeah. Julie, Julie only gets her hair cut off and she's to still do the, she's to still do the same work. Yeah. And she's amazing. And the reason why we needed it to be her, to be a free diving cinematographer is because scuba divers, as we explained in the film, they can't, come up at the same rate as a free diver so it's the same reason why a safety diver can't be a scuba diver and it's because coming up with scuba tanks you need to decompress otherwise you'll get you'll get the bends and it's as simple as that so a safety diver has to come up at the same speed um you know has to come up quite fast if if a diver is in trouble and it's the same with a with a cinematographer they they're you know they're coming up and down a lot showing me the shot going back down again moving with the diver you know to um uh, to get the shot, they need they they're not just static, and that gives it like an interesting element because a lot of what we see in underwater, like you know, um, films or or it, it's all shot by scuba divers. The majority of it is so to have something shot by a free diver means that like it has that freedom of movement, and you just don't normally see that in uh in underwater stuff. So it was a really unique opportunity to to feel, to use that kind of technique. Sounds like it. It sounds very rewarding
0: and also quite physically grueling for
1: <laughs> if, you're, if you're
0: in if submerged in water for for that amount of time and, and a shoe time. Tell me then about um. Again, I'm going to really watch what I say, but it's you know there's sensitive moments in there for people, um, and you get beautifully honest interviews and and these wonderful moments and parts of the story. Are, are very, very um tragic and deal with loss. Was that difficult for you as a director to spend time with for that amount of time? Because obviously this is still something that's very close to people. Um it's such a small community, everybody knows everybody. Um, you know, like, and again, because it's 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 no secret that a bunch of things happen. So we can just talk in the abstract, but like yeah. it's it's very personable
1: yeah it's very personal and and you know um it's i i think um though no, I didn't find it hard at all it was just such a pleasure to spend time with like all of the people who we spent time with in the film and and in that world and really like you know they just brought me in like because i didn't know anything about free diving either so the so they they wanted they wanted to tell this story themselves you know they they wanted to um you know, they thought it was an important story to tell and, and they wanted to explain uh, let people know what what it was all about. But also, um, they were just so open and and it wasn't it I've had, you know, I've I've, uh, you know, had loss in my life as well. And and like, I kind of like think that I was almost like kind of I was comfortable to talk, felt comfortable talking about it. And and I think that probably helped a little bit that like, I wasn't trying to shy away from, you know, the, the tragedy, um, and, and, you know, when some, you know, something like that happens and somebody, you know, is a young person, it's, um, it's a certain, like, it's an absolutely, um, traumatic event and, and it's something that people can't get their heads around and, and like talking it through with people, um, was, you know, they were so open, they were just so open and, um, about how they were how they were kind of like moving on and how they lived with it and how they continue to live with it. And I found that fascinating because I actually thought they were like, a lot of the people in it were really amazing the way they kind of framed it in their own heads, you know?
0: Yeah, because I, I suppose it is something in that realm, you are faced with your own mortality. Like, I mean, it is such a dangerous sport that you're aware of that and and I know one of the the like very early on like there's like a loss of somebody in the community that's that's spotlighted and you can see like that tremor really affects people because I suppose at any point it could be anybody as well. Um and yeah like we do get and I suppose it's as much about celebrating people's achievements and their um their lives as as anything else. So it is it is lovely to watch. And it does have it just as such a warm film about the sport as well like and about that community
1: it's like we're all passing through do you know what i mean and and it's not always a tragedy like it is obviously this is a tragedy but there's a, there was an awful lot to celebrate as well about the story um and and um and that's really what made it possible for you know me to really like tell the story was that there was so much to also celebrate as well
0: and was so the edit, I think this is very interesting how you pinpoint those specific moments that you d- went through all the research said, this is what we're going to focus on and talk about and then go, this is we're going to find the footage then to support that. Did anything change because you were aware of the story? Did you have to lose anything for technical reasons or d- like editorial choice then when it's in there? Was there anything in the story that you would have liked to have covered if you could and didn't get to?
1: No, you know, we were we were extremely fortunate with this project with that. Like, you know, we knew the story um, very early on and and we were very fortunate in that we uh, we got to tell the story that we wanted to tell, you know, that was there. That was the kind of what we felt was the best version of it. Um so in that way, um no, we we really um, yeah, we really got to make the film we wanted to make.
0: Did anything sort of change for you at any point from that did you always know it was going to be this or like hoped that it was going to be this or you know did your understanding of the the process changed as you got to know more
1: absolutely like we we had an extended research period because of COVID, and we couldn't film like out of our 16 participants they're from 10 different countries so you know there was a delay with we're kind of getting kick, kicking off doing our interviews and um and so we did and and i was just up here in my attic um you know talking to people and that really and and reading and you know watching other things and and that really um paid off massively massively it just gave me a deeper understanding of the story and it gave me a chance to kind of like be with the story for for longer and think try and think about it in different ways and you know, we wrote a, a kind of story document, and we structured it different ways, and we looked at different ways to to kind of tell the story. Um And we always came back to the original way that we wanted to tell it, but we really kind of examined it, um, and that for sure is 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 on the screen. Do you know? And tell me, what's the response been like? Initially, like we showed the people in the film the the film, and. And they were really positive and they said that, like, it was fair and that they were, you know, they were happy for, you know, for us to continue on with it as it was. And and so that was massively important to me. That was the most important thing to me. And and now putting it out, you know, on Netflix and the fact that it's getting from audiences, it's just getting like such a beautiful response. And people's messages have been just so lovely and and people have really kind of just connected with what I connected with about the story. So for that, I'm just absolutely honored and like just delighted that that it's um yeah, that people are kind of like seeing what I saw in it.
0: Like it is so it is so beautiful and it's such a it's such a, a kind of an intense emotional journey as you're as you're passing through. So I would heartily recommend. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks, Gemma. Lovely chatting to you.